Welcome to the Founder and Funder Experience, brought to you by Valence Advisory and Mattermade. This podcast serves to bring to light the different journeys select founders and funders took to get to where they are today. We hope their lives and their learnings continue to inspire both present and future innovators. Hello, everybody. My name is Arjun Devarera, and I am the founder and managing partner of Valence Advisory. We support founders and funders and help accelerate their efforts via people, strategy, and capital. And now off to John. Hello, thank you, Arjun. So it's John Lowe here, uh, advisor at Valence Advisory. I'm the lead on leadership and communication. Um, today, we have a wonderful guest. His name is Robert Fenton, who's joined us for this podcast during uncertain, challenging circumstances, full of opportunity. And so, Robert, uh, without me positioning too much about who you are and what you do, what you're currently working on, let's start there. What is your current role and what are you working on now? Sure. Uh, thanks, John. Thanks, Arjun. Uh, excited to chat with you both today. So my name is Robert. Uh, appreciate the intro. Uh, founder and CEO of Qualio. We're a modern quality operating system for life sciences companies. So we unite their team, their tools, and their data so they can become quality driven, which basically means to get to market quickly, to get to scale faster, um, and need to mitigate a lot of the regulatory risk, which of course can hold back some of these companies as, as they try and build their businesses. Currently CEO, like I said, my role has changed a lot over the last year. Uh, you, you guys know from when we were much smaller, uh, I was operating and also running the business. Uh, fortunately, over the past year, I've had the, the great fortune of building a great team. So a lot of my time now is working uh, directly with them. Great, thank you, Robert. And so Robert, for, because I think this is relevant given the context, mm. my understanding is even before recent mass events uh, transpired, you already advocated for a remote-only culture at Qualio. Is that correct? Yeah, absolutely. It's been part of our DNA for, from the very beginning because I moved over here uh, now four years ago and we had our engineering team in Europe. So it kind of came from just necessity. And we really liked it because we learned that if you invest in some of the communication and collaboration uh, needs that you have, as I'm sure the world is figuring out right now, when you do that early, your organizational kind of culture evolves around that and it becomes just just like a new thing. I think that the way we've described it is it's no better or worse, we believe, but it's a different vocabulary and you have to learn that. And once you do, I think that sets you free because there's a lot of people in the world. Not all of them live right near where you live, right? That's been our motto. Right. Yeah, that's really nicely said. And so over in, in having had experience with it, not by necessity, not just by mass event necessity, but just by the nature yeah. of having worked in Europe, what are some of the key upsides you see or have experienced with a remote working culture? And what are some of the key potential downsides that you like hedged against or solved mm. um, over the recent year or two? Okay, so some of the upsides are clearly um, you can hire a lot of great people really quickly. Um, I think it still surprises people in meetings I have, but I tell people like that we're still growing our headcount double digits every month. And it's just, of course we are. It's natural to us now. It's normal. And my friends here in the Bay Area are not doing that. My friends in Ireland who run companies are not doing that. Or if they're doing that, it's a great cost and effort. So that's a huge plus. Uh, second thing is, and you've, people have read about this and the world is, again, figuring this out if 
being distributed or being remote forces you to get your, your management game in place, right? Like what's your meeting? How do you communicate? How do you meet? How often do you meet? What are people's goals? All of these things which you can somewhat take for granted until you get to maybe 80 or hundred people in one office, you have to get right when you're about a dozen people in a remote company, because otherwise things get a lot of friction. So Investing in that to us was, you know, uh, I won't say painful. We had to adjust to that as we grew across last year. However, at the other side of that now, I mean, like we're, we're about 35 people. We're already internationalized. If we needed to get to 70 or 100 people by the end of this year, which is kind of pretty much on, on our roadmap, we just do that. Like we don't, we don't need to incorporate any more companies. We don't need to look at any more offices. It's, it's just more of the same. So I think when people get to the other side of that, it's like all that is a lot of upside. Of course you get like better cultural sensitivity too, because you get to see and interact with people that are outside of your default cultural bubble, wherever you are. Um, they're the upsides we see. Uh, some of the downsides, I don't like the word downsides. I kind of think they're challenges, right? They're challenges that you have to work around. Um, time zones. If it's 4 p.m. in the evening, I'm not going to call our engineering team with a question. But you know what? That, does that happen once every six months or 12 months? So not that big a deal. So you have to kind of create your communication cadence to, to work within that. You know, we've worked on this, right? Uh, in our offsite and together on the ideas of your sensory, non-sensory perception of people, right? We're speaking right now and I can see you both. I can hear you both, but I have a limited set of sensors I, I can use to figure out, are, are we in rapport? You know, if this is a tough conversation, we're doing this via Zoom. So it requires a more deft hand, but again, we're doing this for quite a while now. I believe I could be speaking with you sitting around a fireplace with, you know, a bourbon and a cigar and a pair of slippers or whatever you, you imagine as this cozy kind of environment, right? And, and I don't think I'd feel any different because it's like people who have, who evolve without sight or hearing, you evolve other senses. And I believe you come out the other side pretty much as good. But at first it's a challenge. Very well said. Very well said. Possibly always a challenge, but uh, we we're, we're we're comfortable with it. Not a downside, a challenge. Hey, challenge stacking. We've discussed that. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, Arjun, you were going to say something. You want to? I just think that that's super interesting, and I think this ability to kind of attune your senses to understand and build rapport, Zoom-based environment, is a fascinating skill set. Seems like you've been on the the front lines of that folks that's developed that skill set over time. It's very impressive. So excited to, to learn more about that over time as you, as you share more in the, of course. Great. And so Robert, I'm going to switch gears because I think there's something very important oh. for a lot of people to know publicly that they don't know about you and I'm not going to give it away, but if they haven't figured it out, you're from Ireland. Mm -hmm. an entrepreneur from the south of Ireland in Cork. I'd like to give you an opportunity to share a bit about your journey from, from being a student in college graduating during the last financial crisis and actually spotting the opportunity to disrupt the quality management industry and making your way through the ups and downs all the way to the Bay Area because, you know, no one just wakes up one morning and finds himself on the other side of the world with some strange tacky people, right? I think sometimes that does happen, but hopefully rarely. <laughs> yeah, so, so I, I'd like you to run us through that journey. I think it's really important, super inspiring. And um, I'll put questions where I think it's worth uh, unpacking a bit more, but um, we leave the show to you right now. Yeah, so lots of questions to unpack there. I, I guess I'm going to summarize that back in. 
learning about tech, getting into tech. And I think you've raised some of those questions to me before we chatted. Part of understanding how I got here, because if you assume I qualified as a pharmacist in 2008, now I run a software company in San Francisco. That sounds like how do those dots join, right? But it's actually a pretty straight line. You know, as most people's journeys are once once you get to know them. So, you know, I've always loved, um, I think it's the intersection of science and technology has always, always, always fascinated me since like my earliest memories of before high-speed internet you know, before we had a computer in my household, right? When I was, when I was growing up, uh, read every single science and tech magazine or book I could get my hands on. I watched all of the Discovery Channel at least twice, right? And also my dad was a telecoms engineer. So uh, I was thinking this morning before we met and some memories came back of, of the hundreds of hours I spent disassembling and reassembling little electrical components. Uh, even like, I remember one thing in particular, it was an electricity generator that was powered by magnets and you twist a handle and you get an electric shock or you can power like a telephone to ring or a light bulb or something. And I think I spent probably a year of my childhood playing with that and, and similar things. So all those things mean that, you know, I always liked both of those things. And if you look at Qualio today, a lot of that is, is, is embedded in there. Uh, getting into tech, yes, of course, I'm from Cork in Ireland. Uh, unusual path. I started, I guess, with my interest in science. So uh, after uh, coming out of uh, high school equivalent, I, I was fortunate enough to represent Ireland internationally in the chemistry Olympiad. So I always loved, again, science chemistry was a big thing for me. Decided I could pivot that into a career in pharmacy. So later that summer, I started uh, studying pharmacy in Cork in Ireland. Studied that for five years. Uh, worked as a pharmacist for about five months before I decided it really wasn't for me. And that was during yeah, the 2008 crash, right? Where the whole world was unemployed, but I was working seven days a week because uh, I was pretty determined to make it work and job was a way to kind of get experience and exposure. Uh, fortunately, when I decided pharmacy wasn't for me, um, I had worked in Pfizer, one of the world's, you know, world, world's biggest pharmaceutical companies in a quality role as an intern. And during my qualification year where you do practical experience, I'd worked in R&D and manufacturing support roles in one of the world's largest dermatological companies. So I had this really interesting exposure to life sciences and how it worked. So it's a bit like I was like from the industry, but not of the industry. And I think I had a really unique set of experiences that, that enabled me afterwards, like watching how cumbersome, how costly and how complex these home built solutions were. And these were companies with unlimited budgets, really. Um, that was really fascinating. So I had the insight that I compare that I compare that with my interests and we can build a better mousetrap, we can build a better product and one that didn't cost millions of dollars, right? And spend or a team of people to install, configure and manage them. There had to be a better way. And that was just as SaaS was starting to become a thing. So a lot of that kind of came together and I guess that's the journey. That's the kind of journey to initially kind of starting Qualio. Uh, I can go into more detail there, but yeah, I had no background, right? Uh, I was a pharmacist here who, who always liked software technology. Uh, but if you look at my university application in, in Ireland, I think it's similar to India in that you get the stack ranking of, of, your, of your course choices and you get into the course, the first one on the list you apply for. So I, I, was, I did well. So I got into my first choice, which is pharmacy. My other six choices were all math and engineering, all of them, like every engineering course you could do. So again, it wasn't that much uh, of a jump and... I was young enough to believe that I could carry on my trend of being successful at things I applied myself to. So I said, kind of what the hell and decided to dig in. So I guess that's the journey to kind of starting the company. And it's not such a crazy joining of the dots, I think. Totally agree. Thank you for sharing that. And Robert, my understanding is as you were building Qualio, one of the phases in 
probably both your personal life journey and Qualio as a business's life journey was, yeah. was flying to a conference in Boston. Oh yeah, that one. Yeah. yeah. And, and then that catalyzing an opportunity for you to then take the next step towards the Bay Area. Can you unpack that a bit? Because yeah. I find that very fascinating how you had to do a, a mid-air pivot serendipity <laughs> I, I guess yeah. right it's one of serendipitous yes. moments where so again we started in ireland uh selling to companies in europe is really tough because if you look at typically the marketplace is a bit more of a laggard market versus an early adopter market just generally speaking and we definitely found that to be true with our product so we had more customers in the united states than anywhere else and I spent a couple of weeks in San Francisco with a program run by Enterprise Ireland, a government body. And I had spent a week in Boston because most of our customers were in Boston and it's way closer to Ireland from a time zone perspective. So it would kind of make sense to be there. And I was at a talk um, like by, by giving my Eric Paley, really well-respected uh, venture capitalist. And it was there, I believe I was there with a group of students. I still don't know why I ended up there with the students, but I was at this little fireside chat and, and somebody asked the inevitable question of Mr. Paley, uh, if I'm starting a business today, where would I do it? A software business, San Francisco, Bay Area or, or Boston? And, and he said, and I'll never forget his words were, you know what? we believe Boston is the second best place in the world to start, you know, start a business, a software business. And that was basically it for me. It was a pretty, you know, I pretty much when I make a decision, that's kind of it, it and it's done. And that was it. I was like, okay, we're going all the way over here. And of course we get to escape the winters for a few reasons, but the main one was, yeah, if I'm going to move like thousands of miles, what's an extra couple of thousand. True grit at the, um, and, uh, Robert, so, you know, you know, sometimes you're so forward looking and you love challenge stacking and like, moving towards the future i kind of want to give you an opportunity to share a bit about some of your biggest challenges of hurdles along the way and perhaps it happened in the transition from boston to the bay area and stabilizing or planning the qualio flag in the bay area but if you could share one of the most memorable for you and uh, what that taught you that would be most brilliant yeah, of course, there, there are um, innumerable, you know, challenges and setbacks and blockers you have over time. But there is one that does stand out. And again, I think helps reaffirm why I believe in our company's mission like I do. And that is that it was back when we first started working on Qualio. Um, I was actually in a road traffic accident. I was like cycling home from the office because I, I sold my car, you know, for companies getting funded here. We're getting going, uh, cycling home and I was hit by a car and I fractured my, my collarbone. And that was really tough because I just hired our first employee, right? This is a lot, a lot writing on this. And a few weeks afterwards, priority due to stress and genetic predisposition, who knows? I got diagnosed with inflammatory bowel disease, which is a pretty debilitating condition. And the variant I have is called ulcerative colitis. It's a pretty serious autoimmune disease. So trying, trying to manage that while trying to start a business that I had no background or pedigree in was was probably one of the most formative moments in my, of my entire life because it was, okay, this is a lot of, this is challenge stacking to the extreme, uh, I think. But I, I fought through it. And, and again, it, it taught me the value in just pushing forward and prioritizing and figuring things out. I was fortunate to end up, like at one point, I was on a high enough dose of corticosteroids, which are like a very powerful anti-inflammatory to a degree. And I was on a dose high enough that's typically reserved for pre-surgery hospitalized patients. I was still running the business. I was fortunate I had two of the top gastroenterologists in the country helping me because I basically reached out to them and had them helping me. And I was in touch with gastroenterologists in Canada and the United States. And I think thanks to just that brute force of going, there's always a way and got it under control in early 2015, a few months before my first trip to the United States. And I felt great sense, but I think that was probably 
looking back and going through tough moments that I think will stand to me for a long time and going there's there's virtually always a way. And it's like uh, somebody, it's a Paul Graham that said, you know, it's uh, companies don't die, you know, mid, mid, mid keyword or there's a phrase about that, right? Once you keep hitting on the keyword, company can keep going. And of course, what does our company do? We want to help more of these. It shouldn't have been this, this difficult for me, right? To get those treatments, to get that expertise. Right. Uh, you're coming out of the side, uh, on the other side of that, you, you know, you continue growing, uh, growing quality. Who are some of your key guiding lights or mentors along the way? And what specifically yeah. did they teach you that you hope to take with you and hopefully even pass on, right? To your yeah. leadership team and others who work with you. Sure. Uh, there's no one person uh, I could point to. Um, I will say that it was the, in addition to that talk with by, by Eric Paley, it was coming to the Bay Area and getting to speak with just so many people who have had huge success and just witnessing their humility and their ability to help. And, and I think that's what the Bay Area still works and has a special magic about it compared to everywhere else. It's just meeting these people and then laying out, like, here's the crap times we went through. Here's how we got through this helps you understand what's really possible. You know, Steve Jobs has a really great quote, and I hate quoting people that are always getting quoted, but it was something around the lines. If you look around you, right, all the things you see were created by people no smarter than you. I'm totally butchering the phrase, but the sentiment really stuck with me. And that to me is that reinforcement is a really good way to get through any tough time or, or any period of self-doubt because it's actually true. And I've, I've had the good fortune to meet lots of the people who've created lots of really amazing technology companies. And I'm not saying I'm smarter than them, but you know, they're really great, smart people, but they're humans. Like these are real well people. They're not invincible. So well said, um, well said, you know, f because this video is designed to also potentially inspire uprising leadership or yeah. founder talent. What, if anything, would you like to share with them that you think might've been helpful for yourself or others to know back when you're starting your journey, or you could be totally selfish and say, Hey, figure it out, man. I'm not going to take the mystery away from you, yeah. but, but yes, please. Uh, that's a tough question to unpack because you know me and people who know me know that there's, you know, every situation has its own uh, reference to a book or a person or, or a, situ a situation. But the, the one thing that I always see in people, and the one thing I always try and, and help people with, or at least help them understand is that there's never a good time to do anything, right? The world is in an uncertain moment right now, but you know, fortune favors the bold is the phrase that we've been talking about internally, right? It, it's, there's never a good time to do anything ever. So if you want to achieve something or make a change or do anything, you may as well get started now, right? Literally it's mental construct that holds everybody back, I think. Well said, well said. Yeah. I would say you are one in the best in class in the ability to do that. For I would agree. I would agree. Very impressive. And uh, yeah, <laughs> I, and I, thank you. Yeah. And I have one final question, uh, Robert, because, uh, you know, you're continuing to optimize and grow the Qualio and its culture mm -hmm. in the way that you want it to represent yeah. um, uh, its core values. Can you share a bit about the vision or the culture that you would like to see materialize for Qualio within the mm -hmm. short term, midterm or long term? Yeah, um, I think that's pretty well codified right now in two things, actually three things. And this is what we call a company manifesto, right? This is something that every single day in our senior team huddle, we talk about this, our all hands tomorrow morning, we talk about it again. And it's our core purpose is to enable teams 
um, launch and scale life-saving products, right? It's, it's particularly important in, in this very moment in time. Uh, to do that, we believe as a culture, as a company, there are five principles that we need to operate by every, every day, right? The first is seeking ownership. We're, we're a remote organization. Rule one is people have to, again, going back to the piece of advice I had to everybody, you take the bull by the horns. You know, if you see a problem, you, get, you have a chance to fix it. And then we try to hire, hire for that because that's, you're creating a company of leaders then. Right. I think that that has a lot of payoff. Uh, the second thing is being customer centric. Again, could not be more relevant right now. Businesses, some of them, many businesses are going to struggle to get new customers. What's the one thing you can control? Just being awesome for the existing customers that you have. I mean, we're still growing. We're having a, you know, we're having a really good period now, but still our existing customers probably could do with some TLC. Same for every business. Um, Third one is curiosity. Uh, if you know me well. I mean, I'm a pretty voracious learner, um, like a, intensely so. I don't expect everybody to be like that. But from moving here, all the people I've met who've been tremendously successful across any metric are always a beginner. In every, in every conversation, they're a beginner. I think that's very important. Uh, fourth one is about intentional communication. So again, we're a remote team. We have to be incredibly intentional about how we communicate, when we communicate, what the context is. Am I making this clear to the person who might speak a different language to me? And I, in general, I think this is a very positive attribute to have because as an org scale, I have 35 people versus 100 people versus 500 people. Companies get in a lot of trouble if they don't make that a core priority, right? Because transparency allows people, again, to be leaders and have ownership because you understand the context into which to have to make decisions. And last piece is pretty simple team players, right? Um, you know, th there's no I in team, there's a me in team, but my job is being in the team is actually support the team. Right. And I, I think that's, again, uh, this is people often don't like having this in there because it's can be a bit touchy feely. But look at all the great successes in the world, right? And you can find any example you want to. Um, the Wright Brothers is in my head right now. I don't know why. But, you know, that was a team that was underfunded, had no business ever winning flying a plane. But it was a team dynamic that had, right? It was this belief in the hustle they had. It wasn't any one person. And all great companies, it's not, it's not me. We could launch a new feature next month. I may or may not have had a part of that, but I was the least important piece. So I, th I think supporting the team is something that's underrated. But I think the best companies and teams know that. So... Um, that's it. One more thing I'll share is because we're doing the company manifesto is the core brand promises that again, every decision we make, it has three criteria, right? And, and we promise the customers three, three things. It's going to be easy to use. We show value in seconds in a demo. We onboard you faster than you've ever thought. Everything we do is to make sure your life is easier and better. And don't worry, it's scalable, right? We'll work with you whether you're a three-person spin out from university or, hey, you've just been acquired by a thousand-person org and now we're being rolled out to the parent. Don't worry, that would be successful. And we're trusted because we handle a mission-critical data set for these companies. If you think about it, it's life and death for people and life and death for the company. So we have to be trusted to be up and be reliable. So that took a lot longer than I expected. But as you can tell, we, we talk about these every day and I could probably go for an hour and so could anyone on the team. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you. I think, I think that's a great way to drop the mic, Robert. <laughs> Very timely. Thank you for your time today, sharing a bit about yourself both and your vision with Qualio. I'm super excited to share this out with the world. And I can speak for Arjun and I that we've uh, been grateful and very engaged in being able to collaborate with you on this journey and very excited about the future. Thank you so much, guys. Uh, really appreciate it. Thank you. Thank you, Robert. Speak soon.